What's the background noise like, or is there any? Oh, I hear people talking. It's okay. Oh. Okay. Why can't I crank my volume up louder than this? What the hell? Oh, well, gee, that might be why. Now say something. Something. Good, you did exactly what you were told to do. Thank you. Right. Right. Actually, that that should have been my response. Right! Right! <laughs> now we're British. So weren't we talking about... Or last week we were talking about... Talking this about week, talking, talking about? about... Right. Right. Talking about right? We were, we were thinking about talking about... Uh... <laughs> we were thinking okay. about talking about... I think wow. Chuck's stuck in a loop. Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, developed passive income through informational products, built successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. Evan Light. Have me brown pants. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. This week, we're going to be talking about combating isolation and loneliness uh, since we work from home and stuff. So I have to say I'm a little punch drunk because I've been pulling insane hours to, for my client. So, so you're you're rich now. Uh, if I were, you know, little, okay. Oops, we can leave the singing out of the transcript, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yet. They uh, they haven't paid me for all my work, I guess. So rich on paper. You're the only one who's punch drunk today. <laughs> wow. If only real drunk, I'd be better. Real drunk. So oh, I'm sorry. We're going to actually be topical. Oh, wait. Sorry, folks. This is what happens to you when you have too much isolation. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho. So, we all work from home, mostly, generally. And coffee houses. Right. Right. So, what what do you do to combat that? How do you overcome the working in a room by yourself all day. First, I thought you were going to say overcompensate instead of overcome. Somehow that just seems more appropriate right now. Second, <laughs> you, you record, <laughs> second, you record a lot of podcasts like Chuck. <laughs> oh, I had to get that one out there. Third, you start recording more podcasts like me. <laughs> oh, seriously. Okay. So you go out to a coffee house, which is where I am, which is why if there's bat, if you hear background noise, well, it's people talking in a coffee house. Yeah. I I typically do some things like that. Um, David Brady, who's on the Ruby Rogue show, he lives like a mile or something from here. And so we sometimes get together for lunch, and that tends to help. Of course, more lately we get together for lunch and we talk about the project we're working on together. But... Uh, that that is one way of of definitely com, uh, compensating, com, combating that. 
um, mainly because you get out, you get because because it's not for me just going to a coffee shop. I mean, that gives me a change of scenery and it's nice. But actually going and sitting and chatting with somebody is is really where I get that uh, social stimulation that I need. Sitting in a coffee house is simulating having a social life because you're not actually having a social life. You're just being around other people to pretend you have a social life. Yeah. I think there is some benefit to that though. We're humans. Yeah. So being isolated, not good. Being around other humans, I like to think is maybe good, except when they look at you funny because they think you're crazy. Or is that just me? (laughs) I think you are crazy, Evan. Oh, yeah. I I think I have a lot of reasons for it. Yeah. I, I, I buy that. But uh, actually going and interacting with folks, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, my wife is here all day and the kids are here all day. It's a good reason to be nuts. But <laughs> it's 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 not always enough, you know, just to have her there to talk to or just to have, well, the kids, you know, you, you get some, you know, you get something from talking to them, but, you know, you need that adult conversation and in a lot of cases I need somebody that I can actually talk to about the situations that I'm dealing with at work and my wife doesn't always understand that so so you're talking about having adult conversations then you mentioned having lunches with Dave Brady I'm trying to put these together <laughs> this is true <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah I have to say that we have manipulated a couple of things with our current project and <coughs> it's it's just for making things a little bit easier on everybody but uh, it does help to sit down and talk about the situation and go okay so what do we want to do and then we go and we pull the the director on the project in and get him involved and usually then between the three of us we can make something happen so I mean there is that but at the same time I mean half the time we're having lunch together we talk over just stuff in general you know stuff that's going on with with him and with Liz or what's going on with my wife and my kids. So, so I guess more seriously speaking. um, So one of the reasons I took an apprentice on is because I'm tired of being the only Ruby nerd out here. Or not just Ruby nerd, but tired of being the nerdiest person I know out here. So I figured I would try to make other nerdy people or try to make other people I know nerdier. So we can have more nerdy conversations. (laughs) So um, that's one solution really is to teach someone else how to do what you do and, and maybe get more work that way, you know, so that, because you might have more capacity long-term and just like, you can also just start a cult. Yes. Yes. Indeed. You could also start a cult. That was number Um, three on my list. Oh, I really have to try avoiding tasteless jokes with that one. <laughs> Get out of my head, Chuck. <laughs> I mean, said the atheist, but <laughs> me. Uh, but, but you were <laughs> saying, sorry. I wonder how many of our listeners I offended with that one. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't saying that. So let's see, taking an apprentice or just finding you know other friends you have in the area and just going out and grabbing lunch. I do that one too sometimes. Uh, oh yeah. So the other one is talk way too much on Twitter with people. Yeah, I that do that helps. one a lot. Can the, you? Can you I, I want to know a little bit more about this apprentice setup you have. Okay. You want to talk about that for a minute? I need to time it. Time it. What do you mean? So, one minute. 
Okay, fine. Sorry. You're, you're, you're a little slow today, and I failed to be funny. Never mind. So, uh, talking about apprenticing, right. So, you didn't say right. So, um, Pat is a, or was a, kind, or still kind of is a local PHP developer, and um, we met, I guess, about three years ago or so, and... We just compared notes. He was doing a lot of Drupal stuff, and I talked about Ruby and how I, I like I tell lots of people like quit doing Java and quit doing government work so I could get unpaid less but have more fun, and um, just occasionally would get together and we would you know BS about nerd stuff, including technical stuff. And sometime more recently, a few months ago, like three years later, he said, um, "I want you to to become a Jedi Knight like my father and learn the ways of the Force." Um, well, okay, and he didn't say that, but he, he mentioned that he wanted to learn Ruby. And I said, well, how about uh, we work on projects together, and I pay you decently, and you learn more Ruby, and we pair on projects, and as you get better, and I can justify billing you more to clients, then I bill you more to clients, and then after a time, maybe we can actually split out and work on things in tandem instead of pairing all the time. And we've been doing that for... Off and on for a few months now. I say off and on because my life has been kind of a mess due to my wife's health. So some weeks I'm working more than others. But uh, he's definitely been learning very, very ably. And uh, it's certainly better than just working in isolation all the time. Hmm. And so, so it's been pairing at home, in my home office at times more recently. Um, coffee houses a lot because home is getting too complicated and stressful for me to be around when I'm trying to work. But it's better than just par- than working alone. That makes sense. I, I've been doing a lot of pairing lately because the project that I'm on is completely remote pairing wise. And it's some sometimes it kind of fills that social need and sometimes it doesn't. And I'm I'm not really sure what it is. I think part of it's just that they're really not there in person. And I think the other thing is, is that we just get hyper engaged in the work and less hyper engaged in the socializing. So I, I mean, having done a lot of remote pairing before and still doing some remote pairing, um, I like remote pairing to a degree because physical pairing, there's, um, there's more commitment because you have to go and meet someplace or you, you're letting someone into your home. They're more, Anthropologically speaking, I guess, oh God, he's getting intellectual. There's more boundaries being crossed um, when you're physically pairing. When you're remote pairing, it's lighter weight. You're just meeting in some space on the internet and you can disconnect easily. You you have your own space even while you're pairing. So you, you still have control over your, you still have mostly total control over your environment. You don't have to be concerned about someone else. That's the, if you don't mind being isolated part. When you want to actually be around other people, yeah, I agree. It's not nearly as fulfilling as being in the same place as someone else. And I think that's just human need that um, the internet just is not a, a, as rich a medium for connecting in a human level with people as being in person. Do you have anything to add to this discussion, Eric? I mean, a big thing is you have to kind of, I think you have to try stuff and see what works for you. Like, I work at home pretty good. I'm okay being isolated. Like maybe two or three times a year, I'll go and actually work in a coffee shop or something. But other than that, I'm just here at home. But my wife, there was a time when she was actually home with me and doing some work and she couldn't even go two days without just going crazy insane from being isolated from people. And I'm here, the dog's here, everyone else is here. But for her, she needs a really a higher amount of social contact. 
And so that's, that's something to think about. It's like, it's very, very personal and very specific to you. And I think that's why like a lot of the co-working stuff has actually kind of come up recently is because some people who need, you know, that more kind of ad hoc contact with other people, they, they thrive in the co-working environment where they wouldn't be able to thrive at home. Mm, that makes sense. So I want to, I want to jump back on that a little bit. Um, have you worked in any of the co-working spaces, either of you guys? Um, when I've traveled, I've done a bit of that. Um, otherwise, not so much, I don't think, no. And does it seem to make a difference? Uh, uh, not so much, um, in, in my experience. But not having, I'm not sure if that would be different than if I had spent a longer period of time where I, where maybe some, by accident, I would have run into more people and talked to more people. Having just short bouts of sitting in a co-working space means that I am only talking to the people I'm, I might be there to work with. And if I'm not there to work with anyone, then it's not any different than working in a coffee house, mm-hmm. except without the philosophy. Well, one thing to think about too is there's times when you're, I mean, not just when programming, but with anything, when you're doing highly creative work and at that point you're trying to come up with new ideas or try to mesh ideas you have together and you're, you know, it's basically you're trying to create something from nothing. And then there's other times when you, you aren't being creative, you're just basically, you know, doing the busy work. Like you might know how you're going to implement something and you're just basically going through the steps to do it. And to me, the busy work is really good in isolation because I can focus better. But if I'm trying to be creative, it's a lot harder to do that in isolation because having someone to bounce ideas off of is really helpful. And so that's another aspect of like what type of work you're actually having to work on. And so I think as programmers, we actually bounce back and forth between the two quite a bit. I, I agree. I mean, considering that I tend to believe I'm a little bit more extrovert than introvert, when I'm working on something that's a bit more rote, then I tend to prefer isolation because it lets me get into flow, I feel, more easily. And when I'm doing something that is more creative, that requires more active thinking, well, I guess then then I'm kind of 50-50, which is kind of odd. So I guess that means, that would imply that if I were correct, that I actually prefer isolation over pairing over being present around other people and that actually isn't true so forget everything i just said (laughs) yeah i mean for me when i'm if i'm isolated like say i'm at home and i have to do creative stuff i'll typically get off the computer like i'll get a pen and paper or maybe i'll go down and make some tea because that's you know three to five minutes to do that and while i'm doing that i'm kind of like thinking about it in my head and mulling it over and just the physical act of walking and kind of changing the scenery a little bit typically helps me think of some things or unblock myself too yeah, I get that too. Sometimes with driving, for whatever reason, for me, and even and though I, I don't drive very much, I think I said on another podcast episode, maybe I just need to go out and take more random drives <laughs> to help me think at times. But uh, I actually do tend to prefer working in places with other people. It's just that when I need to f- concentrate more, I tend to use more techniques to to block the noise, but not block their presence. So I like to be in a coffee house, but then I'll have you know, headphones on, blaring white noise. Um, so it's not something I have to pay attention to. That still lets me focus, but still lets me be around other people. Yeah, one thing that this discussion has done for me is it it's kind of highlighted the need for me to build in a release valve for some of this. Basically, I used to organize a weekly lunch for programmers around here, and I'm pretty active with both the JavaScript and Ruby communities. So I tend to 
tell both communities, hey, come show up at this time on this day. And I haven't done it recently because I've been so entrenched in the project I'm on. But uh, I realize that I really do need a little bit more than just a lunch with one other guy that's kind of in the same boat I'm in where I, you know, I sit down and hang out with folks. And the user group meetings are really good for that, but they tend to be on the same night I have scouts. And so I can't always go. But yeah, I'm probably going to, after this podcast, send an email to the lists and say, hey, guys, do you want to grab lunch tomorrow? And uh, we'll probably have 10, 10 to 15 folks show up. And it's nice because then you just sit and BS about stuff for an hour or so. And it just, it does, it's it's a huge release for that. Um, as far as the driving thing, I also wanted to comment on that and just point out that I do that pretty regularly, actually. I'll just drive over to the gas station and uh, refill my soda or run over to the store and just pick something up. And, and it's just to get out, be be out there and around people for a few minutes, kind of like getting up and going for a walk and then come back and, and, and take care of that. And, and then I can get back into work and feel like I've, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what it is that I get out of it that I'm looking for, but I, I feel better after having done that and I can get back in and get some of the creative work done. Do you guys get out to users groups very often? No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the nearest user group is at least two hours away, so not so much. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I mean, for me... Because I'm in the Portland suburbs, there's a lot in Portland. Maybe, uh, I guess, a 20-minute drive from my house. But we only have one car, so I take the train, which means it's about an hour to get in there, hour to get back. And typically, by the time they go on, because they're almost always at night, I'm so drained, and I just, I'd rather spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've gone to a few, but for me, just the value there wasn't, it wasn't worth the amount of time that I had to put into it. Oh, so... Um- one thing that, that I think cures isolation or that I've experienced in the past couple of weeks, there was the pre-call to the last show when Eric was sharing a recent experience. I won't go into detail about that. Uh, that I think Eric gained value in there or found he wasn't as isolated because his experience had been had, at least by me. Um, and then there was another experience I had this week where someone walked me through some, shall we say, um, interesting suboptimal code that they had been working with and we commiserated on that and laughed at how bad some of it was and so sometimes I guess really just commiserating about some of the the awful stuff that we find individually can can be handy even if you're not physically present it can still be cathartic aka ranting (laughs) well it works both ways too because I think I I think you felt less alone in in your situation but evan also felt like he could contribute and he probably also felt like his experience was relevant too yes Uh, so what about conferences what about conferences well as far as fighting the alone or isolation it, it seems like to some degree i actually get overstimulated by the conferences yeah, I totally do too. But uh, and overstimulation is a good contrast to the utter understimulation I suffer living out here. But I don't get out to as many of them, or as many as I would perhaps like, because they're, they're, it's not cheap to go to them. No, it's not. Yeah, you know, as a freelancer and it being basically wholly tax deductible, it still gets very expensive very fast. I um, you know, pre-tax, I think most conference trips for me are somewhere around a thousand dollars. 
So at, at least at a minimum, it, it, they're pretty close to. They only start to get worse if they're on the West Coast or if they're you know outside the country. And I just said, you know, again, darn it. <laughs> it is nice, though, to get out and interact with the other developers out there and find out what's going on in the community, what people are thinking about, and just be around people that are like you in the sense that they're programmers, they program Ruby and things like that. And it, it tends to tide me over for a week or two at least. And and then I start kind of craving that social interaction again. And then you just have this podcast where you get to hear Lee's voices. Yeah, the voices yeah. in my head. Make them stop. You just have to take the headphones off. It's not hard, man. Yeah, well, lately I think they're glued to my head. <laughs> Is that the, the, the voices are glued to your head or the headphones are glued to your head? Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't. I just. I don't like conferences in general, and the cost of going to a conference—not necessarily like the cost of the conference, but the opportunity cost—is just so high. Like, I've only started going to local conferences because it's like go out there for a day or two, come back like the, that night type thing. But even those, like you know, depending on what projects you have, the the opportunity cost just might be so high. It's like not even worth it, and to kind of, you know, fix the isolation, social separation part, they're not really that good because they're kind of a band-aid of, band-aid of a solution for like a problem of your work environment's not quite white. Uh, band-aid, it's a life choice. The, when you say a work environment, quite right. We choose to put ourselves here. If we can't, if we can't fix our work environment, then either we should stop being freelancers because if we're feeling too isolated, then maybe you need to absolutely work with a team. You could stop being a freelancer. You could work on site with the clients, perhaps, if that's an option for you. It's not really for me. Uh, or Band-Aids are not necessarily that bad. If they're all you got, you just cover yourself in Band-Aids. I can tell you a lot about that. <laughs> well, that's Great what I mean. Like, you know, if, if you find like you need more interaction, it might mean you need to go to a coffee shop twice a week or work at a co-working. You know, but if you're trying to force yourself to be at home and that state of isolation is too much for you and you're band-aiding by going to conferences a lot, I, I think it might be better to just kind of fix it, like maybe go out once a week than to try to go to every conference you can. Now, the the whole networking side of a conference, I'm not considering that. I'm just talking about the isolation part. Eh, it doesn't work for me because going to coffee houses doesn't usually doesn't mean being around lots of nerdy people like myself. Going to coffee houses for me means being around lots of... I'm going to stop there before I start picking on the entire eastern shores I so often do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is a difference between being out and among the public and being out and among people who think like you and being with the tribe like you. Yeah. And that's where the conferences really pay off for me. It's supposed um, to be the other tribe. <laughs> being with the enemy tribe. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. This place is so backwards. I can't. Okay, so, so this should be this should be an assignment for the listeners. This place is so backwards that in the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk for a minute about working on site for a client or traveling to work with a client. Does does that solve the need at all to, to be around other does, people? For me, it does a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I, I've done it once. I did it in September. I, I, I have worked in the office of a few local clients, 
Uh, it just depends on their situation. Some of the situation is you show up, you're just working at a desk there instead of a desk here. So you have people walking by and yep. that's pretty much the difference. Where the other client, we were pairing anyway and so it was, it was a little more interactive and a little more social and that was nice. I think you go on site for different reasons than I do then. Uh, when I go on site to a client, it's specifically to interact with them. And usually it's to train or mentor. So when I'm on site, there's a lot more interaction than there is when I'm working at home. That makes sense. What what I've seen, so the, the company here that I worked for on site, it was literally, uh, you will be here in our office so that we can find you if we need you to do some other programming work. It wasn't really to interact or train or anything like that. Was it so, really so that we could see your butt in the chair? Yeah, I, but think, I think so. I think so. The other client, it was more so that I could come out and get to know them a little bit and they could get to know me in person. And then when I came back home and kept working for them, then they'd have a little bit more of a rapport with me. That's the other reason that I, I like to go out and meet clients, and I like to try to do it early in the relationship. It's to view them and to be able to view them more easily as people rather than abstract concepts with a voice. Yeah, there's definitely some payoff there. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. Objectification. Yep, it happens. But again, this is the, the client that I'm working with right now, and so being out there and interacting with them it really did make sense because then we have um, that kind of uh, relationship that, you know, I can talk to them from here and, and still have it. Anyway, it seems like the conversation is winding down. <laughs> I think we've, we've all been winding down from before the conversation. <laughs> I know. Is there, is there Are there any other things that we should add to this? I don't mind ending it early rather than trying to drag it out. Well, dragging it out would be fun if we got more punch drunk, but I think the, I get the feeling there isn't even much punch drunk left. Well, okay, maybe there always is for me, but okay, not always, just now. Yep. All right, I'm done. That's it. I'm spent. Stick your fork at me. All right, well, let's get to the picks then, and then we'll just wrap it up. And if you wanted a full hour of conversation, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to return to your isolation in a few minutes. Yeah. So they just played again. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, Eric, go ahead. What are your picks? Um, okay, so this past week I did some traveling, went to go see some family, and I have a VPN service called Strong VPN, which is basically a hosted VPN server. I have it set up so it works on my phone and on my iPad and on my laptop. And I've tried it this past week, and then I also tried it, uh, I guess, last month with, uh, when I went on site with a client on my laptop. And it's nice. It's very inexpensive. I think I pay like seven bucks a month, but it completely secures all my traffic from my phone and iPad and laptop. So, you know, even if you have to get on kind of an unsecured Wi-Fi, this way I can make sure like stuff doesn't go over the wire that I can get, what is it, fire sheeped or whatever it is. So the, once again, it's called strong VPN. It's really cheap. If you actually work outside of the office a lot, this might be something to look into. Uh, I can counter suggest for things that are free that that will suffice that or might suffice with that are simple to use. Um, I've been using something called Cloak, 
Um, we, I think you can find it as uh, on the website. Maybe it's getcloak.com, or I'll, I can Google it. But Cloak is essentially just a proxy to a cloud service that then goes on the Internet in your behalf. So that'll let you... Um, You've, you're at least encrypted from from your machine to Cloak, and you can apparently there's also a uh, iOS client for it that I haven't tried. I'm not sure exactly how that would work given the constraints on iOS, but uh, I use that very frequently in coffee houses if I'm not already um, using iOS tethering. So that at least gets you on the net um, safely. Uh, I started trying. I started playing a little bit with. The um, OS X server package, which costs, which wouldn't help you because I think you're on Linux, but that's a whopping twenty bucks, and that has a pretty simple VPN setup. That would that as long as I have some kind, as long as I either have my IP address or I'm using a Dyn DNS, which I do use, and that's free. Uh, then I can connect to my machine at home remotely, and I can do that from my iPhone pretty easily. Then of course there's just plain old SSH. Yeah, I mean I've you know I'm sure I've you do SSH. Before. Of course, I've had. A, I mean you yeah, do it on your a, iPad all the time. <laughs> well, I used to have a crazy one that would actually have no SSH ports open and would you know magically reopen them when it knew I was coming in stuff like that. But I for me I just decided like okay seven bucks a month for you know server class VPN that's always out of LA and I can switch where it's out of and it, they also do international stuff. I'm like that. That is way worth me playing around, trying to get a server configured, or playing with different apps. You know, just in, as an hourly rate side. Okay. Well, Cloak is Cloak is free um, for at least the first two gigs. So you might want to look at that just for when you're in coffee houses and you just don't want to get fire sheeped. Um, but yeah, OS 10 server wouldn't help you. And frankly, otherwise, other than the VPN stuff, it's a little bit broken. Although it costs a whopping twenty bucks. So I guess I'll count those as my picks. Doesn't Apple have back? back to my Mac or back to your Mac or whatever it is? Yes, and I have not played with that. I know it requires um, some port forwarding. I mean, I think I even might even have those ports forwarded. I just haven't tried it yet. And clearly connecting through their service, and that's a lot like, as far as I know, it's a lot like, say, log me in, which I do use, and at that point you're relying on the service you're using to be secure. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I must be tired. My right filter is right. Open. Yeah, your right filter turned off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've heard good things about it. I've set it up on my machine here at home, but I've never actually tried to connect to it, so I don't know how how good that is. But I thought I'd throw it out there. So Evan, do you have any other picks beyond Cloak and Not really. server? No. Okay. And Cloak with X server is a kind of half pick because it's a little bit buggy. Mm. Okay, good to know. It's cheap. it's cheap though. So my picks this week, first pick is and this is an oldie but a goodie. It's the object Ruby object model and metaprogramming videos by Dave Thomas. Yeah. On Pragprog. Um the they're old but they they're still relevant to the way that Ruby works and thinks about its classes and objects. Up and then to the right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, with your ghost, right. ghost class. So, like the ghost of so I, I'm going to pick that, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. The other pick that I have is the New Media Expo, which used to be Blog World. It's going to be in Las Vegas in January. 
if you are working on getting the word out for your business or whatever through new media, meaning blogging, videos, podcasts, things like that, this is definitely a great way to go. You can get a digital pass, which allows you to watch the talks, I think, after they've been recorded. You can also buy a pass and go out to New Media Expo in Las Vegas. If you go out to New Media Expo in Las Vegas in January on the 6th through the 8th, I will be there because I'm going to be speaking about uh, podcasting. So let me know and we'll meet up and grab food or something. Um, I'll put a link up in the show notes. It's going to be an affiliate link. I, I just want to disclaim that. I don't, I don't care if people know that it's an affiliate link. But if you're going to go, I, I do appreciate getting the affiliate commission on that. And that's, those are my picks. So I don't think we have anything else to, to promote or push out. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And thank you for listening. Looks like Take you care. picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> and oh, or, or no, wait, sorry. This one, this week would be amphetamines. 